Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest Podcast. Let's get started. So, you're out there thinking, hey, Corey, you're running a deals podcast here. You talk about doing deals, deal-driven growth. You encourage us to change the mindset of how we're thinking, not only to look at organic growth, sales and marketing, but look at all the different types of deals that we can do. Maybe you've been a listener for these last couple hundred episodes, and maybe you've even bought into this premise that you should be looking at inorganic or deal-driven growth. And you understand that that can cover uh, more than just M&A and financing deals, although those are great deals you know, but joint factors, strategic alliances, licensing deals, affiliate deals, all that kind of stuff that I've talked about for the last three and a half years on this podcast. But you start to have some concerns and questions as many people I talk to, clients, people in the industry are, about a lot of what's happening in the economy right now and in the world. And you're wondering, how should that affect my thinking on deal making for my company? For me, does it affect my timing? Does it affect the types of deals I do? Does it affect valuations? And that's what I want to talk about on this solo cast. So first of all, I want to hit some principles that you may or may not have thought of. And uh, there's one fundamental one that underlies all of this, which is that in any economy, in any situation, no matter what's going on in the economy of the world, there are still deals to be done. They might shift. They might look a little different. Valuations might change. Different opportunities might change. but those opportunities are actually not necessarily always less attractive in a more challenging economy or with challenging factors. Sometimes they're actually even more attractive. So yes, do we need to take into account all of these factors that are out there? Absolutely. But does that mean we're not going to do deals? Well, if you're smart, I think you're still going to be looking at deal-driven growth. And by the way, there, I'm also going to talk about some myths or uh, misconceptions or automatic assumptions that you might be making that others definitely make that are not true. And some of these things that I, I've mentioned in, in other places, I, I've talked about aspects of this as, as guests, but I think in this time, I think it's good to put it all out there in a single solo cast because I am getting so many, so many, so many questions. So, so the first one is that fundamental premise that, hey, no, you should continue to look at deal driven growth, right? May shift whenever I'm going to jump to that conclusion. To answer your question of, hey, does being in a uh, economy that has some shaky factors or that I have concerns about mean that I shouldn't be doing deals? The absolute answer to that is that no, it does not mean that. And, and this is not just in self-interest. Yes. Some of you folks are my clients. I help you do your deals. But listen, we have so many listeners at this point all around the world. This podcast has grown so much that most of you, you know, I, I'm going to ne- get no personal benefit from. I, I just want to guide you in a way that will serve you. 
So what, what are some of the factors that could be bringing up concern for you? Well, let's talk about interest rates, right? Interest rates keep getting pushed up, at least here in the U.S. and around the world, right? People expect the Fed to continue to, you know, increase rates for the foreseeable future. They're doing that to combat inflation, which is another issue. But as I talked about on a solo cast, I think I did back in 2011 and towards the end of the year, if you study the amount of deal flow, in other words, how many deals get done every year of various types, and there's more data on M&A deals, but there is no correlation between deal volume and interest rates. So that should tell you something. It means somebody's doing deals. Now, obviously, we can make sure it doesn't mean everybody's doing good deals, but I will tell you that there, there is no correlation. Now, listen, any changing factor, um, you know, interest rates go up, does it increase the cost of capital? So if you're doing a funded deal, if you're, if you're borrowing money from a bank or, you know, some other type of lender, could, could your capital cost be higher? Yeah, it could. But remember, that's only one factor. You're going to analyze and underwrite the deal that will include that higher cost of capital if you're doing a type of deal that requires capital. Doesn't mean the deal doesn't work. In fact, in some sectors, right? Let's, let's take it in real estate because it's, it's the easiest to look at. The raising interest rate environment has also cooled the increase in prices, right? In, in home prices. So, and at some point, if this continues, we'll probably, you'll see home prices either stagnate or even come down in certain areas. So if you can buy cheaper, but your cost of capital is higher, it may offset, right? So that's just, that's just one example. So historically, there is no correlation between interest rates and deal volume, which shows you that people are still doing deals, which means that you shouldn't have interest rates standing your way, although you have to bring them into your underwriting. Inflation. Inflation, yes, is the highest it's been in a long time. But I would say to you on both the points, actually, of inflation and interest rates, I mean, interest rates were artificially low. I mean, I think that's actually been the problem. I mean, a normalization of interest rates had to come. And I think it's actually a good thing in the economy because money was artificially cheap and really not existed rates for a long time. You know, similarly, inflation was so low that at some point, although you, you heard some economists who claim we're in some sort of new world where inflation was definitely going to come back. I mean, I never believe that. Cycles are going to come and go. And listen, there have been times where we've been in much higher inflation, inflationary environments, and that's has not affected deals in terms of the volume because there are always, listen, people who are struggling with inflation, like, like in their business, like, so let's say they have wage costs are going up, other materials costs are going up, but for some reason they feel like they can't raise their prices. So their margins are getting squeezed. Those sometimes create deal opportunities for, for folks where them, those kind of folks may be more, more open to integrating, to being acquired, to even doing an aqua hire where they become an employee and turn over, and, and turn over their business and maybe get paid for bringing the business because now they're not making as much money. They have more headaches. You know, with supply chain, that's another one, right? That affects this is the issues with supply chain. It creates some opportunities for deals with stronger companies or even with, I mean, you have, you have to watch out. Some people say, okay, we're going to combine a bunch of weak companies and it'll become a strong company. That's not, that is often a mistake. But in this environment where some level of scale, some level of integration, taking costs out, that is, that is a possible deal as well to bring the other companies to create some economy of scale. And certainly if you are a strong company in the space to take advantage of some of those challenges that companies have. There's also a possibility, let's take the supply chain issue where there are deals that could be had where you can impact, possibly impact the supply chain issues, right? Maybe you're in a particular industry where you have good supplier relationships and you have better access to goods and services that some of your competitors don't have. Well, 
On the one hand, you may organically just try to use that as an, as an advantage, as a competitive advantage against your competitors. But maybe you could also enter into some sort of venture with with your solid supply chain folks and 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 actually serve other folks in the industry and have that be a you know another business line, right? Or do some sort of joint venture with the folks who are having trouble on the supply chain side because you have access to that supply, and then you can join venture strategic alliance for those folks to get jobs done together where you're helping them with the supply chain, right? So any of these challenges that exist also create opportunities. That's the key thing. You've heard me talk about that theme before. And also the other thing to keep in mind is that different of these factors are affecting different industries and sectors more or less so. So whereas certain industries may, may be seeing an, an adverse impact on valuations, for example, of what's going on in the stock market or some of these other factors, other industries have not seen that yet, right? So don't make assumptions about the impact of some of these, what can be seen as challenging factors on every industry across the board, right? For example, uh, the deals we're doing in financial services and, and in the investment advisor space specifically, valuations have continued to hold to this day. And deal volume has continued to hold. And money is still flowing. We have seen some impact on deal structure where a little more, but not as much as you think, a little more money's being taken off front end and putting it on the back end, right? With with certain retention, you know, revenue retention or client retention, you know, or growth uh, kangers on it. Um, but, you know, overall, the clients are still in a position where they're getting great valuations and where they can even you know, they get their max valuation if things come back. Now, they, if the economy continues to go in a negative direction and they don't recover from it, they may end up making less. But still, even with some sort of haircut, if that happens, the valuation multiples are still way higher than they have been historically in that particular industry, right? Not true across the board, but don't make assumptions that your industry is being adversely affected because it may not be in the same way your buddies, you know, in the industry your buddy is in. So you really want to look into what's happening in your particular sector and your particular geography, your particular size of company and all that kind of stuff, because these assumptions you're making or even commentary from these supposed pundits on TV, is not necessarily true in the way the markets are operating. Listen, are there other headwinds? Obviously, war in Ukraine. Some of that uncertainty that's coming that could affect, you know, food and energy. Sure. And should you be aware of taking those account? Absolutely. However, more people will look at those factors and have it shut them down from looking at opportunities, which means there's less competition for deals, which means that the people who figure out how to get deals done very often, and I've talked about this over the years in the past, I mean, some of the best deals, some of the best companies have been built out of recessions. And listen, I've said very frequently lately that I actually hate even using that word because it's so easy for it to be a, become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, listen, there are some good factors around too. Unemployment's still extremely low. The biggest issue that I still hear most of my entrepreneur and business leader uh, clients and friends and contacts talk about right now is actually not that their businesses are suffering because of some of these factors for most of them. The biggest issue I still hear is, the, is there are challenges in, in, in finding, I mean, everything from my Pilates instructor Right, who pre-pandemic had classes going from early in the in the morning until late at night with all kinds of instructors who worked for her seven days a week, and now has a very limited schedule with her and just one other Pilates instructor. And she told me it's because she can't find like all the Pilates instructors are gone, and she doesn't know where they went. She can't find qualified people. Up to my friends and clients who run 
you know, large, large businesses, you know, whether they run a million or 10 million or a hundred million dollar business, almost everybody is finding, you know, challenges in, in, in attracting talent. Well, that's not usually a, a, a sign of a, of an economy in recession, right? Usually unemployment is a lot higher. So there are, there are factors going against it, you know, as well, just thinking that things are going to continue to go, you know, downhill. So obviously, you know, I, I've said this before, like, don't panic, keep that clear eyed view, look for the opportunities that do come up and the deals that are still available. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. Another factor that I would say, and this was, uh, this was highlighted in uh, an episode that I just recorded with John Warlow, where he brought this up. And I'm not sure what order these episodes are going to be, but I'm pretty sure the SolarCast is going to come after John's episode. But if not, John, John's episode will be coming very soon. But, you know, one of the things that John mentioned was that people don't take into account is, listen, if you sell, you know, let's say your deal is potentially looking at selling your company. And you obviously want to sell high, right? When the company's going strong and the multiples are the highest. But very often, if you're selling high, you're also buying high. So in other words, what are you going to do with that money? And when I say buying, you're not necessarily buying another company, but you're investing it in the stock market or in real estate or in a vacation home or whatever. Well, you know, it, often you buy high, I mean, you sell high and you buy high. Well, if you sell low and buy low, you may end up doing better than somebody who sells high and buys high, right? And he gave an example. This episode about two companies that sold in different parts of the market. One was high, one was low, and uh, and what they invested in. And it's actually the, the the company that sold low that ten years later, they were doing a lot better because they invested the money in the stock market. And the stock market, you know, took off over the last decade and gave them much higher returns they would have, or that that exceeded the difference they would have made if they sold in a higher market. So even the assumption that it's crucial to sell high and you should sell otherwise is not necessarily always a good assumption. Especially because if you speak to anybody, and this this applies to investing in the stock market, real estate, and certainly, you know, in terms of these kind of things, is that it's near impossible to time the market. I mean, it really, really is. And it's the biggest mistake that people make. So if you are, you know, and then there are life circumstances that can come up that can force you to sell in a market you don't want to sell it. So, you know, so we want to take all those factors into account in deciding what we want to do in terms of the deals we want to do. And listen, I don't want anybody to get the misimpression, and I don't think, you know, you should, because I haven't said this, that I'm saying there's no impact on deals whatsoever of some of these headwinds and these, uh, you know, these negative factors. Yes, in some industries, it is depressing valuations. In some industries, it is reducing deal flow. But what I'm saying is what always ask that question about what other types of deals can I do, right? Maybe you're in an industry where, no, it's not time to sell your company. Maybe you were thinking about selling only because multiples were so high and now they've cooled off, right? Or you figure that, hey, you got a lot of sort of energy in the tank and you will wait for, you know, because you're in a particular sector that has already been adversely affected and you're willing to wait out the next cycle, even after five to seven years. That doesn't mean, well, maybe now you're going to become from looking at being a seller to being an acquirer, right? Maybe you're going to look at people who have been hurt even more in your industry by some of these factors or if they continue. And they become acquisition targets, like I talked about earlier, you know? 
or there's joint venture opportunities, or maybe there's, you know, ways that you can do, any, you know, various other deals that we talked about. So, you know, for me, a deal-making mindset, which you've heard me talk about a lot, is always the starting point, right? Because we don't do anything, no matter how much information we have, our mindset is going to dictate the actions we take. So if we are running in fear right now because of these negative factors and because some pundits are talking about how we're going into a recession, that's easily going to shut us down. That's a very different position than being aware of the risks, being aware of the factors that could be headwinds, understanding that there maybe is a risk that we're heading towards a recession, and actively having that inform the deal decisions, other business decisions we make, but not having us shut it down, not, and also not making automatic assumptions of what the impact of that means on our inorganic growth of the elder strategy. So I'm trying to think about with some of the other questions or things that, that people ask. I mean, people talk about wage pressures going up, right? So the cost of delivering service, of delivering product has gone up. And that can be seen as a negative thing because it could, it could squeeze your margins. However, there are some factors that cut the other way, right? Number one, Maybe you can raise your prices accordingly. And we see that. We've seen companies that come straight out and say, hey, we're raising our, our prices because our costs of supplies and labor have gone up. And some of them, the markets can, can cover that. Second of all, at some point, as wages go up, it's going to bring more people back into the marketplace. That's just supply and demand, right? There are folks out there who've decided whether it's to stay home with their kids or to take some time off or whatever, because maybe they were in lower wage jobs when they look at the cost of the jobs versus childcare, or they look at the marginal impact after taxes and what it means for their lifestyle, or maybe they just needed a break. But as wages have gone up, it becomes more attractive and more people will, more talent will become available. So that at some point can become a, a positive fact, right? Um, obviously, listen, there are things in the world like the war in Ukraine and stuff that's hard. Many, all these things are hard to predict. And certainly, uh, you know, they're all hard to control, but, you know, take a look at whether that's really affecting you and your company or, and your cycle, you know, and your industry. I talk about the, the, the pandemic and this K economy. I've talked about a lot. I used to talk about a lot, you know, coming out of the pandemic. You know, there are companies that really, really benefited by the pandemic and some, some that suffer. So to just talk about, as unfortunately often some of the folks in media do about these factors and have it and draw conclusions for the entire economy is ridiculous, frankly, right? You need to apply these factors to your particular situation and then look for where there's opportunities within it. You know, it's interesting to me because I see, I think there's a disconnect between what I see in media and what I hear folks talking about. Now, listen, on the, there is this thing about entrepreneurial optimism and sometimes we're too optimistic and we got to watch that because sometimes it has us be blind to risk. But generally in my clients, people are, you know, generally still feeling positive. It's not the doom and gloom that the, that the pundits, the supposed pundits are, are saying, yes, there's factors that people are aware of and are cautious of, but I sort of wish that, um, that the, I'm talking about mainland business owners and entrepreneurs and, and, and folks that, that, that are much more likely to be doing deals, right? Than your workers, your employed folks. I, I, I wish the media would reflect more of how they're viewing things than doing what they often do, which is only focus on the negative. Because I'm, I, I think if I were to 
you know, do a news report on most of the folks, because, you know, even even the folks that suffered during the pandemic, yes, yes, some restaurants and retail went out of business, but the ones that have come back, some of them do, like I look at my my my, my favorite restaurants, they, they crowded, right? And by the way, they've increased outdoor space because a lot of these cities have allowed them to create outdoor seating and, they, uh, and they're doing even better than they were pre-pandemic. So you have the folks that did really well. You have the folks that have come back strong. You have some thinning of the herd that's happened already, which, you know, which in the cycles is always, is always a good thing for those people to survive. I'm not minimizing the fact that there's been some suffering and, and some of these factors causing some suffering going forward, you know, with other folks. But I'm talking about from the deal point of view, which is really, uh, you know, deals are done mainly by entrepreneurs and bigger companies and, uh, and web business executives who are making those decisions. I think there's a higher level of, um, of optimism than there is that you hear in the press. And I think to some extent, it's what's warranted. You know, we, as entrepreneurs, like to control our own destiny. And I think there are positive factors that would that say we can still do that, you know, in these cases. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I'll just share personally and openly, uh, you know, on where I'm at. Like, we've been expanding very significantly. I mean, frankly, we've grown it every year since I, I established my own firm. But in the last co- couple of years, we grew through the pandemic. This year has been a a huge increase, mainly because I hired a couple more people. My biggest issue, like some people with capacity and finding the right team to be able to take in the more business that was available. So adding that capacity has had us grow significantly uh, this year, which has been phenomenal. Now, am I sitting here expecting that growth trajectory, you know, being up 50, 60, 70% um, to continue year after year? No, I'm taking into account some of these other factors. I'm saying, hey, you know, where we're doing deals and things remain hot, will they re- remain hot forever? It, by definition, no, because everything runs into a cycle. Do we have another six months or a year or two years, you know, for, for it to be busy, you know, at this level? So am I taking all this, you know, excess money we're having and, you know, and just either wildly spending it or reinvesting it, you know, and stuff? No, am I, am I using these factors to say, hey, I should take into account that our growth rates may slow, or maybe we have a down year after these boom years. Yes, I'm taking those all into account. But what I'm also doing is being out there, continuing to look for additional talent, right? Continuing to look for additional business, doing all the things that are within my control, you know, looking at strategic alliances that, you know, that I can do, looking at ways that I can put us in the best position. I'm not hiding my head in the sand and I'm also not being reckless about what decisions I make in a boom time and assuming that's going to go forever. So I think that kind of mentality of not having fear, not having our often or sometimes wrong assumptions shut us down, moving forward, but with an awareness that these factors may affect it, right? With some level of analysis of how they impact. And also with with doing deals. I mean, I did some interviews with some of the real estate folks recently. You know, one, for example, with somebody who does short-term rentals, two of them recently were, one does all short-term rentals, one does some. And, you know, one of the things that they were saying is that they've underwritten their deals where they still cash flow, where they still work, maybe not as at higher margins if they need to just rent them out permanently, right? Because if the recession happens and people stop traveling as much and Airbnb, VRBO, whatever or not as attractive, right? Maybe the triple the rental uh, effective rental rates they're getting now on short-term rentals will go away, but they could still find, they're very confident they can find, you know, long-term tenants. And they will still make money. They won't make as much money, but they'll still make money. So that's a great way to look at it. Like, how do you do deals where um, the downside is that you make less money than that 
you, you lose significant money, right? How do you underwrite deals when you have some hedge, some cushion, where you don't have to? One of the biggest mistakes people make, especially in hot markets, is that they do deals where everything has to go right for them to cash flow, for them to pay off, for them to be profitable. And that's that's a mistake. Even in a, or you could argue, even in or especially in a boom market, that's a mistake. You always should be planning for what happens with some downside. You always should have room in a deal to know that you're not going to get hurt, even if there is a correction or a recession or a downside. And, you know, your best deals are the ones where you just make a lot more money when things are going well. So listen, there's a lot more I can say about this. Like I said, I've touched on it at various points, but my encouragement for you is to not let the media and the fear shut you down, to look at things objectively. And, and listen, I'm not going to get into politics, but it's easy for, for, for politics and the political views to also shut you down around this because you're very unhappy with one side or the other, or, you know, that, that the current administration is terrible or the public is going to take over in the midterms and that's going to, I encourage you also to tamp down. I mean, have your political opinion separately, whatever it is, but try to take an objective eye and not let that affect business because, because taking, take on the factors is one thing, but sort of, you know, saying, oh, everything's going, going to heck and I'm not going to be doing deals is a, is a mistake. So listen, these are things you heard from before. I wanted to address them more specifically right now because I'm getting a lot of questions from folks around what, what I think the impact of this is going to be. I am certainly not somebody who has a crystal ball to predict the future, but what I can do and have done is look at the cycles in the past, look at the impact and try to undercut some of the assumptions like again, people would think high interest rates would reduce deal, deal flow, deal volumes. Evidence doesn't show that, right? So let's not make assumptions here. Definitely do your research and mindset wise, stay active in opportunity and, and open to opportunities. They often show up much more when there's volatility, when there's challenging times, when there's difficult factors. And listen, I often go back to an old, old saying as an entrepreneur, as a deal maker, if it were easy, everybody would do it. So with that, do the hard stuff, figure out the stuff that nobody else can do, do great deals and have it be a driver of your success. All right, folks, till next week. Have a great week. Look out for the deal opportunities. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Deal Quest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, Go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.